We dissect the White House's clean coal promises. We talk with Senator Whitehouse, and we describe Climojis. This is The Climate Lead. I'm Evan Lehman, editor of ClimateWire. Hey, I'm Robin Bravender, deputy editor of ClimateWire. We've got Gene Chemnick, our international climate reporter, here to talk about the White House's forthcoming clean coal initiative. What are some of the challenges? Well, I mean, part of, part of the difficulty right now is that we don't exactly know what the scope of, of Dave Banks at the White House's new initiative will be. Dave Banks. Um, Dave Banks is the president's international energy and climate expert. That's correct. If we assume that this is supposed to be part of, of the U.S. response to climate change and that therefore we're not just talking about more coal, we're talking about cleaner coal, um, then that relies on a bunch of technology that basically we haven't been building because all of our coal plants are from the 60s and 70s. But if I could stop you there. Not all. Are, are, are we really talking about the United States response to climate change? Are they framing it that way? Yeah, they are. I mean, it, it's been part of the rhetoric all year to, to the extent that, that the White House uh, discusses climate change at all. And of course, it really hasn't been front and center. According to your article and your reporting, while we, we are saying we want to export these technologies for supercritical coal-fired power plants, for example, we're not actually building them in the U.S. Yeah, we're not the leader at this point. I mean, we, we, I mean, we have centers of technology. You know, we have the labs. We, I mean, we have certain, um, you know, advantages and points of leadership. But in terms of actual practical putting coal plants in the ground, we're not doing that. China's leader. And China is. And China's also doing it abroad. I mean, and in the case of the, the plants that it's building abroad, they're not always clean, by the way. Um, so it's, it's unclear, perhaps, exactly how this is a competitive advantage for the U.S. Is there a demand in some of these developing nations for this kind of technology? Yes, they are interested in gaining. Actually, I was just talking to, for another story I'm going to write, to, um, to Jim Rogers. Pitch a story. <laughs> on the podcast, Gene. Sorry. Go. You know, who, who used to run, of course, Duke. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about it being a little bit of a prestige issue for countries, especially in Africa, that they, they want first-class, first first-world power, and to them that means coal, hmm. because that's what the U.S. uses, and that's what other countries use, and that's how they be, grew rich in the 20th century. Um, so yes, they're interested in that. In fact, some of them have written it into their commitments to Paris, that they're asking wealthy countries for help in gaining access to state-of-the-art coal plants. What are the next steps for this initiative from the White House? Well, I mean, any details whatsoever <laughs> would be the next step. <laughs> is, there a, is there a formal launch that you're expecting soon? I, I think there's going to be some movement in the next weeks, at least a little bit of filling in of details. Okay. Thanks, Jean. Yeah. Great story. Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's go from the White House to the Hill. We spoke with Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat of Rhode Island. He gives a weekly speech about climate change on the Senate floor. So we went to his office in the Hart Senate office building to talk about climate change. You know, I, I guess the most interesting thing to me was our interactions about where Democrats stand on climate policy, right? I mean, there's, there's no sort of clear 
objective among the party right now, but what needs to be done to reduce emissions apart from reducing emissions? Well, I mean, Democrats know right now there's not a lot of value in playing offense on this stuff. What they are doing and have been doing for a while is playing defense. Um, and, you know, White House is helping to lead that effort. But I think they're probably trying to hold off as many riders as they can right now and try to publicly shame the Trump administration on climate um, and hope that their odds are better in a few years and that the administration changes. And that's the sense I got that he's sort of waiting on that front. Yeah, he's, he's the climate resistance right now. Here's our interview with a Democratic senator who wants desperately to act on climate change but is unable to, Sheldon Whitehouse. Here are some highlights. We'll hear the full interview next week. I think at this point, the key conversations are bipartisan conversations. I think Democrats talking amongst each other about this is all well and good, but legislation is going to have to be bipartisan. So what are you doing about it? Well, <laughs> we've got uh, the carbon fee bill, which I think is going to be the nexus for all of this. Um, I'm also uh, working with the environmental community to try to make sure that they are uh, more adept and aggressive about taking on this machinery. Uh, to a certain extent, we are not as well organized on our side as we could be and as we should be. And um, they are nothing but organized on their side. Everybody described, you know, the past presidential election as a climate election, or at least Al Gore did and many others. Um, it didn't turn out to be that way, right? Not you, had even a close. you had a president who openly, you know, called climate change a hoax. Yep. But the but the electoral momentum wasn't there on that issue, um, which is something you're familiar with, right? I mean, so we, how, how we, do you get there? In my view, one of the places where we have failed is we have kept, allowed the conversation about climate change to stay between, well, are you going to protect the polar bears or are you going to protect the jobs? which is a wrong narrative, but it's also a false and an incomplete narrative. Uh, I think the story of an America that has been captured by big special interests so that our fabled city on a hill can't act as the democracy that we offer to the world, that's a problem that I think Republican and Democratic voters alike can engage around. Nobody wants a government in Washington that doesn't listen to them because it's listening to big special interests. And we have not been adept at making that point um, despite its obvious truth. That was Senator Whitehouse. I wonder if Whitehouse ever sends Climojis. I bet yeah. he does. Yeah, I bet he texts about climate change to yeah. his friends. Maybe. And maybe some of his, maybe Lindsey Graham. I doubt. <laughs> then maybe. So according to Climoji.org, mm -hmm. Climoji serves as signifiers to amplify climate change and as a new signs with which to express despair, hope, and solidarity. Yeah, yeah, what are they? That's really grim, if you ask me. What are um, they? A leafless tree in hard-packed and cracked sand. There's a really skinny polar bear with his ribs showing on top of an iceberg. Too soon. My favorite is the cow farting methane. There's fire coming out of a water faucet. There's a tornado. Oh, this is grim. There's a tornado with an arm sticking out of it. It looks kind of like Dorothy in Kansas, but there is an arm reaching for help. We should, we should say that the science be, behind linking tornadoes with climate change is very thin. Okay. 
there's a woman getting drowned. <laughs> this is all very depressing. Uh, I'm going to go send some climate change texts. And I'm going to go drum up some stories. You can read them at eenews.net. See you next week.